Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Kia ora and welcome back to the new Tuesday podcast with me, Tim Bat. This series features a bunch of chats I was lucky enough to have with the people who made this brilliant new comedy. New Tuesday is in cinemas in New Zealand from June 16th and in Australia from June 23rd. It'll be available on streaming platforms soon too. In this episode, I chat to two more actors from New Tuesday, Karen O'Leary and Chris Parker. Chris is an award-winning stand-up comedian, improviser, actor, and writer. You might know him from his viral Instagram channel, his recent comedy special called Chris Parker Back to School, or a ton of acting roles on Kiwi comedies. Karen O'Leary is another brilliant actor who worked for many years in early childhood education. She's Officer O'Leary in Wellington Paranormal, the spin-off series from the film she's also a real scene stealer in, What We Do in the Shadows. Karen, hello. Oh, kia ora, Tim. How are you? We've been, we've been doing a pre-chat and now we're into the, the official podcast business of it. And I should preface this by saying that we, we, we sort of know each other a little bit and we've got various connections to one another, don't we? Absolutely. Obviously, my brother is Ray O'Leary and you know him. <laughs> Um, that's actually not true. He's not my brother. Um, but I do know your brother. So there you go. That's true. You know, my real life brother, um, you guys are very close together and, uh, you work as an early childhood educator as well as being an actor and a musician at, um, a facility that, that his wife used to work at. Yes. I, I don't work there anymore because I've given up to realize the education, you know, kind of a waste of time actually, you know, where's the value in education? <laughs> So I resigned after 21 years in the same job and thought, you know what I should do, what will be really good for the world, is to become a full-time actor. And that's what I've done. And look at me now. That is the one thing I know that we need more of as actors. Absolutely. You know, people that just want to pretend to be someone else, there's no authenticity to anything they're doing. You know, they're very hard to read. And um, yeah, I just, I've realised that's what the world needs. And so I'm here to provide that. Do you know what I was wondering? Sorry, Tim, I just need a button there and say that obviously everything I just said then was complete bullshit and I didn't mean any of it. Thank you. Yeah, it's hard to, um, I guess, put all the nuance of sarcasm through on, on a podcast sometimes, particularly with the New Zealand uh, sort of phraseology or, or tone of voice. It can get a little bit lost in translation. So thank you very much for, for marking that out. And if you're sarcastic in the rest of this conversation, please tell us out loud afterwards. Yeah, just so you know, I'm not, I don't mean what I'm about to say, but gosh, Tim's a great guy. Oh, shit. No, he actually is a great guy. I meant that. Well, I did have a very earnest question. Sorry, I'm, I'm really now. I'm serious. I'm serious. So here, here's my earnest question, Karen O'Leary. No, go. How did you find the nudity aspect of this, like going into it and then the process of actually making it? If I am brutally honest with myself about uh, when Jackie first approached me to be in New Tuesday and she called me up and we we're good friends. And so she's like, Karen, I'm making this movie. I want you to be in it. I was like, Great. You know, as a full-time actor, I say great to, to any offer. Um, and then she very quietly at the end of the conversation slipped in, you will have to be naked. And as someone who doesn't really know how to say no, I said, yes, yep, yep, no, that's cool. 
And then I got off the phone and I thought, that is so not cool. And I, as someone who has grown up, and I'm not going to blame my parents, but I'm going to blame my parents. Um, English parents, you know, like I wear shoes and socks to the beach. I'm not, you know, there are some people that are totally free and cool being naked. And I think that is fantastic. Um, I'm not one of them. Well, I wasn't, but maybe now I am more so. For me as a woman, I think the the different, you know, the different rules that get, that get applied to men and women, I think are appalling. And that's something that we need to address. And if this ridiculous film can go some way to saying, well, we've all got naked bodies. I mean, if you want to wear, if you know, it's like when I, if you, if you want to go to the beach and you're a woman, why can't you take your top off? I mean, what what's wrong with that? I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. I didn't have you picked as someone who would, I guess, have like big hang-ups about being naked or anything. Could you tell me about the journey that you went on to be able to like oh. kind of get ready to, to do this oh. movie? Yeah, well, it was frit to death, basically. That's what I was. Um, like I said, as someone who is not a naked person, and potentially as well, I've, I've thought about this um, and reflected on it. Maybe as a lesbian who presents in this, in a what some people would call a butch way, you can call it what you like, but you know, I guess for some people, the way that I present would be considered more on the sort of masculine end of the old spectrum of in terms of, you know, femininity and masculinity. Um, maybe I've tried to cover my body with my the clothes to fit how I feel as a person. And as someone who I know, because obviously I know my body because I've had it for 43 years, almost 44, tomorrow's my birthday. Happy um, birthday for tomorrow. 44, all the fours. Um, but yeah, I guess in terms of my body shape, you'd probably look at the more feminine end of a spectrum in terms of quite curvaceous, in fact, very. And so for, for a long time growing up, maybe that didn't sit well with me. But now I've realised, why sh- why didn't it? And it shouldn't be like that. I, I'm perfectly happy. I love my body. I love the fact that I'm a woman and, and that's good for me. And if that works for me, then great. And so I sort of thought when I was thinking, oh gosh, how am I going to be naked in a movie? I thought, well, if if I can be on the, a big screen with my rather large breasts and my bum going up a snowy mountain and that can make a young butch lesbian who's 15 or 16 and worrying about their own body, if that can make one or two people feel better about themselves, then I've got a responsibility. That is so lovely. So this came from it's quite a selfless place. Oh, hopefully, because like I said, it's bloody embarrassing. Well, it's not. This I keep saying. I keep thinking of it as embarrassing, but it actually shouldn't be embarrassing. And that's the whole point. And actually, by doing the film, I realised that it it, sh- it shouldn't be, and it isn't embarrassing. In fact, what it is is really empowering. And so, if more people can get to a place where they feel they can be empowered by accepting their bodies and by accepting nudity and just by being themselves and not and not putting your you know not judging other people then I think that's a really good direction to go in I love that well for whatever it's worth um, I got to see a screener of the film it obviously hasn't come out quite yet at the time of recording and I absolutely think it it achieved that mission Um, what do you think that this movie is about I've seen it with one version of the subtitles which has imbued a whole plot that you perhaps are not even aware of but what what do you think that new tuesday is all about i think new tuesday is about people and i think it's about communication in a nutshell i could open the nutshell if you want me to talk more about it i would love for you to i think it's a really good comment on how often we think that talking is you know the be all and end all of communication that, that what we say is what we mean and, and that's how we communicate with people is by talking to them or in this day and age texting them or you know sending stuff or whatever um, but I think the point of the film is that we've got a couple who have 
trouble communicating, and as a result, their relationship is in trouble. They go away to this weird camp and then go through a ridiculous um, array of activities and things. Um, and then the fact that it's been done entirely in gibberish and then subtitled by someone who has no idea what the original script was, I think that just goes to show how each individual interprets things differently. And communication is more than just what you say. It's how you act. It's how you are. It's the it's the things that you do. And so I think it's a, just a really good comment on... Uh, this isn't very succinct. Now, I've lost my train of thought, Tim. This is turned. I can't communicate about this anymore. I'm doing a terrible job of it. It's making no sense. If only you could see my body language, it'd make a lot more sense. No, but you know what I mean. Like it's I was about. I going to say you've actually given quite a meta-textual answer if you are speaking to a theme of the limits of human communication through talking, and then in the middle of talking to me, sort of lost the ability to communicate the original meaning. I pretty much hit the nail on the head and made the best point ever. So. Thank you for that. And, um, yeah. <laughs> but also, I also think, yeah, so it's about communication ultimately and relationships and people. And they're two of the most complex things, I think, that exist. And this is this comes from my um, work as an early childhood teacher. Like, the complexity of relationships are so, this it's so high. Like, this is why early childhood education is the best. Like, primary school, secondary school, whatever, it's pretty basic. But learning, working out who you are as a person and how to relate to a diverse range of people, that's some high-level shit. Most adults can't do that. So I think the film is about that, but then it's also about fun, positivity, having a laugh, the value in that, and um, also going for mountain walks in the nude, obviously. On that note, I think I've been asking incredibly um, cerebral questions, perhaps to the detriment of this podcast series for the <laughs> other people I've talked to, but I thought you would be the perfect person to Because are they all stupid? They haven't been very smart. <laughs> no, I just don't think uh, perhaps it's as entertaining as it could be. But um, I, I frequently my brain drags me to more of a fascinating, chin-scratching sort of a direction. But I wanted to ask remember, you... it's supposed to be funny, Tim. That's well, why we got you to do the podcast. You're supposed to be funny, okay? So where's the jokes? This is why I want to ask you this loaded, open question... Can you tell us any funny stories about when you were shooting the movie? Did any funny stuff happen with all you funny people in such a funny circumstance? Uh, the answer to that is yes. <laughs> Can you tell us about any of those funny no, things, of course it, Karen O'Leary? A million funny stories, and I feel like you might. I feel like you might even know one of the funny stories, and that's why you're um, you're trying to dig for it now. But I think there's the the two things that I really think of when we were doing the um, the scene. We were running. Jermaine's left the icy pole and he's running back towards the bus and we're we're having to chase him in a bit of a panic. Um, in my memory, I was pulling Morgana, who plays my partner, Shan, um, because I always think of myself as a really fast runner. I've actually seen that clip. I wasn't. She was pulling me. But anyway, long story short, we're running down the snowy mountain just with our hats and our boots on and nothing else. And Jodie Rimmer came running past me and I was like, I'm not letting Jodie Rimmer past me. She... Did a massive face plant in the snow, came totally tits up, a bum up, everything up. And I was very tempted to laugh my head off because it looked really funny and I knew she'd be okay, you know. Um, but the camera was right there, which obviously was great, but also not great because I was running in the snow next to the camera. Anyway, so I was running <laughs> past the camera, just trying not to laugh. And then I remember thinking, what the, why, who's clapping? There's someone's clapping. This is like someone's ruining the sound, like what's going on? And I was like, there's this very just consistent clap, 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 clap. And I kept running because I was a professional. And then I kind of looked down at myself. And I realized that I was clapping for myself with my two breasts. And they were just very consistent and very obviously pleased with what I was doing. 
Um, so th- thanks to them for recognising what I was doing. Um, so that was the f- that was a funny story. And I guess the one other one was obviously sitting next to Jermaine on on a bus for a number of hours, completely naked. Um, considering obviously we're friends and we've worked together with Wellington Paranormal over a number of years and what we do in the shadows. So I remember we, we were doing the, the scene where we go up to get to the mountain, we're on the bus, we're all sitting there naked, and I, Jermaine said to Jackie, oh, you know, um, I reckon I should sit next to Karen because she's the only one who won't lose her shit on the on the bus and sit next to me. And I was like, yeah, that's right, true. So anyway, they were like, yeah, okay, Karen and Jermaine, you guys sit next to each other. Which So I had to sit next to the sex guru, which was cool. But then Jermaine and I are sitting there naked on the bus, and he leans over to me and his Typical Jermaine, you just, you know, shy, kind of humble, lovely fashion. He's like, hey, Karen. I was like, yes. He's like, I didn't really expect to be doing this with you. Did you? I was like, no. No, I did not expect to be doing this with you. And then at that very point, Jackie walks down the bus completely naked, leans over the seat. So, oh, this could be good, eh? Wellington Paranormal Season 4 goes nude. So I was like, yep, this is, this is my life now, and I love it. <laughs> but it's a good story, you know, and that's what you want in life, surely. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And I, and I must confess, I did not know either of those two stories. And uh, the one about you clapping yourself, I, that is tremendous. Thank you. I'm, I'm thinking of making a, a stage show called The Sound of Two Tits Clapping. And it's just going to be basically me jumping up and down for an hour or maybe doing some other things. I don't know yet. It's just a work in progress. Well, even if you're not as maybe fast a runner as you thought you were, it sounds like you keep perfect time because you were saying you're very rhythmic with the... Ab- very, absolutely, uh, they're very consistent, and just I just want to clarify as well because I have told the story to a couple of people secretly, obviously, and there just has been confusion as to which how the clapping occurred. So just for those of you who are wondering, and I feel like it's important to you know to know, it was very much an up and down clap. It wasn't they weren't clapping into each other, so it was just the up and down onto the um, the torso, um, that provided that beautiful sound. Thank you. Thank you. Don't imagine it, anyone. Thank you. Karen O'Leary, the human metronome. Yeah, yeah. You're credited as a third assistant director yeah. in this film. Yeah. And I heard it was part of the Auckland shoot, which originally you weren't sort of involved with. No. Um, but you just wanted to, to jump in. What, what was going on there? Well, obviously they needed someone of high quality who's had a lot of experience um, as a third AD, and they couldn't find anyone, so... Well, no, obviously they did the they filmed the Auckland bit at the end of the shoot. So I'd already filmed my amazing naked bits down in Makarora, and then I quite like to chat to people all the time. So I'd have a you know be having good chats with with the the ads and stuff. And the third ad was having to leave for the last week of shooting, and so we just this joke started up was like, oh Karen, you could do that, and I was like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I'd love to be a third ad. And we keep kind of laughing, and then as we got to the end of our Makarora shoot. Um, it was like, well, do you actually want to do it? Or are you just joking? I was like, no. Are you actually joking? Because, yeah, I could do that. Having no idea if I could do it or not. I was like, looks all right. Looks pretty easy. So they said, great, come up to Auckland and be the third AD. And I said, okay, I'll see you there. And then the and then in my mind, I was like, well, it's kind of just like early childhood teaching. It's kind of like getting all the people in the right place at the right time and telling them when to do stuff. So it's like teaching. But on the first couple of days that I had to do it, like the first day there was a million extras and they're just, they're always hard work at the best of times. And the second day I had to organise, there was a, 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 the road was closed and we did the traffic jam scene. So it was like 17 vehicles, all with walkie-talkies, and I was supposed to organise everything. And I'm not very organised, to be fair. So it was, it was you know, baptism by fire. 
What are the responsibilities of a third assistant director? Yeah, well, you're, you're talking to the right person because as a third di- assistant director, it's basically to be the third best director. Um, and I think at times I outshone the second director and sometimes actually even Aman, you know, I'm sure you're listening. No, nah, just joking. Basically, it's to wrangle people, get them in the right place at the right time so that the, the, each scene that you're shooting can be done in a timely and fantastic fashion. And you've got to listen to an earpiece, you've got to have an earpiece in, and you've got the first director who was Seamus going, telling you all the stuff to do. But because I was always sidetracked and lost in conversation with the with the extras or with the, the car drivers, I never heard a thing he said. So I quite often got told off for not actually listening to the um, my RT. In fact, I was also an extra in Auckland. I walked past the car park in muffed, like, you know, disguised clothing. Um, so I really had just, you know, multiple roles in the film and I'm just very happy to contribute where I can. I was talking to Damon about the difference between um, the different sort of nationalities of um, film sets that he's been on and how New Zealand seems to have quite a markedly yep. different attitude and, uh, and, and method to filming. Have you, have you had much experience like working with international people, particularly Americans? And do you think that we've got a big cultural difference in New Zealand of like how we work when we're making film and television? I recently was part of a show which I can't talk about, which was um, which was made by an American, like the, the American company made it like, or whatever they do. And that was a very different experience to what I've been used to with paranormal and that kind of thing. Um, it was very more, very much more sort of business, 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 let's do, get the product, 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 rather than, hey, look at all these cool people. Are we having a good time? Is everyone having a good time? Yeah, great. We're having a good time. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my very limited experience. It did seem like, especially on this film, there was a real focus on uh, making sure everyone had a good time. I had a chat to um, Tandy Wright, the intimacy coordinator. Have you, yep. Had you ever worked with one before? No, certainly not. Well, I've never done a, in a, any kind of sex scene or any kind of nudity before. So obviously this was my first time working with an intimacy coordinator. But I do actually know Tandy a little bit through Wellington being so small and family stuff. Um, but I just think... Again, I've talked to lots of some of the other people in New Tuesday. I think the value that she brings to this kind of project is is just invaluable. The value is invaluable. That doesn't make sense. Um, and it's such a ridiculous thing that it's only just becoming a thing now. Again, it's because it's for it's probably because it's really helpful for women to have that, um, because otherwise they probably get treated like shit. So, you know, it's not surprising it's taken about fifty five thousand years for um, us to get on board with that. But I'm really glad that we have. And I'm not surprised that obviously a film like New Tuesday with Jackie and Arman and amazing women um, are very aware of the things that can make sure the project is successful. Yeah, I asked Arman this question, actually, and, and she kind of skirted it. And you're very welcome to as well. But it struck me after I watched the movie that yeah. it has just a very matter of fact presentation of people who are not wearing clothes while you're watching them. Um, and it, it struck me that yeah. I think that was only kind of possible to pull off because there's so many women filmmakers involved with this movie, especially the version that I saw. So, you know, the, the screenwriter, Jackie, Aman, the director, we've got a, a woman who's an intimacy coordinator looking after sort of the treatment of how these nude scenes and sex scenes will be filmed. It was subtitled by Julia Davis, yeah. who's another hilarious woman in the UK. It's, yeah. But it boils down to this. I suspect this movie couldn't have been made by men. Well, it would have been a completely different movie, I think, if it had been made by yeah by by a typical by typical men. And I guess that's the thing is you, you don't want to all of a sudden as well then get drawn into saying this is amazing. This is an amazing movie 
for a movie that's directed by a woman. It's a woman's movie, you know, like to have to have that differentiation is, is problematic as well. It's like when you've got a, like say I've got a partner who's a, I do have a partner who's a jazz musician, but she often only gets referred to as a, a female in jazz. It's like, well, she's just a really good jazz musician. Why are we needing to, why is her gender part of what's good about her? Um, but I think in terms of the nudity in, in the film, it was just, uh, it was done in a way that was so sensitive, but not overly sensitive. And it was just, it was very matter of fact. And I think that's more of a New Zealand thing than necessarily a female thing. Um, and when you've got, and I think, I don't know who did, whoever did the casting did an amazing job of making sure there was, you know, 23 odd people, different sizes, shapes, ages, colours, all sorts of different bodies. And on and, and then put that on, on this amazing backdrop of beautiful mountain scenery. You can't not think that's beautiful. And in fact, it was. Like, I was thinking, this is just going to be hilarious. But I watched it, I was like, this is breathtakingly beautiful. And I didn't expect it to think that when I saw it. Um, so whoever came up with that idea, bloody genius, woman or not. But if it's a woman, it's better. Karen O'Leary, thank you so much for talking to me about this wonderful film that you're in. You're great in it. Well, did you like the bit where I picked up the cock? <laughs> I I liked the the moment that you and Morgana share in the forest. The mossy forest is perfect. The mossy forest. And I, I can only assume that that took um, a bit of intimacy coordination to sort of figure out the logistics of, of that minute. Yeah, it did actually. And that was really like when we did that session with Tandy before for our, you know, sex scene, which is pretty hot if you ask me. Um, first and foremost, it was so lucky that Morgana is the most amazing, lovely, vibrant person and we got on like a house on fire. I can't imagine having to do that kind of thing with someone that you think is a total douchebag. Mm. Um, so that was lucky. But then Tandy was, you know, so good. She's like, you know, Karen, I've done some research. Basically, Jackie said, Karen, the only reason we've got you in this film is because you're a real life lesbian, so you know what to do. I was like, thank you, Jackie. Uh, you know, and then Tandy was like, we've done some research. Here's some photographs. And she'd got done some research with some photographs of possible lesbian positions. And she said, you know, they were very beautiful photos, very kind of airbrushed and lots of long hair everywhere. And she said to me, what do you think, Karen? And I said, wow, they're lovely. I mean, it's great. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, it's a lot of cunnilingus, but where's the actual fucking? <laughs> and so we incorporated that into our scene in the mossy forest. And I think it paid dividends, you know, um, both for Morgana, obviously, and for the film itself. <laughs> Absolutely for Morgana. I think this I'm is I'm joking. Why, I'm joking. This is I'm joking again. This is why representation is so important. You've got to have the people in there that understand the the importance of real fucking. Absolutely. And I'm one of those people. So um yeah, but on that note, Tim, <laughs> fuck you. And um it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Hey, Chris Parker. Hi, Tim Bat. How are you doing? I'm really good. Uh, congratulations on the film, Nude Tuesday. It's amazing. <laughs> and you just told me that it got a five-star review. This is hot news. It's hot news. It's breaking news. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's so weird. It doesn't feel like my film, uh, but I'm in the film. <laughs> yes, you are. But I'll take it. Well, before we get into the movie as well, can I take this opportunity to say congratulations on your special? Oh, thank which you. Which I recently watched, which oh, is fantastic. That is mine. Chris it's Parker, <laughs> Back to School, the clues in the title, who owns that one. Yeah, I'll that take, the, I'll take the, um, the compliment for that. I deserve the compliment for that one. It's an incredible thing because it's like part comedy special, part sort of exploration into yeah. your own past and the school that made you. When when did you make that? 
so recently, like really? basically like a couple of weeks before it was on TV. Really? It was such a fast turnaround. Came back from Melbourne, shot it in three days, edited it in two weeks, and it was on air. That's Which insane. I do not recommend, <laughs> um, but that's just what we had to do. Oh, my God. So That um, was where your window was to get it done. Yeah, and it was just a um, like an Omicron project you know it was really defined by the pandemic as is like all my work annoyingly but i was like yeah it was supposed to be something else and then it was either going to be like not happening or what we made it can i ask what it was originally just like a comedy special and but shot in three different locations um because i like the idea of it being like site specific um so it's going to be yeah my family home my high school and like a thousand people at the Isaac um, and the, the thousand people at the Isaac obviously couldn't happen. And so I was like, well, let's just pick the most interesting of the three spaces. And that was my high school. But then I was like, oh my God, like this is going to go to air before I do my tour. I don't want to burn all this material. Oh God, of course. So I was yeah. like, what are we going to do? And then I was like, why don't we make like half documentary, half comedy special. So it's only like 25 minutes of material that gets burnt. So it was like all that. But then through those like, you know, oh, what, what if, what if, we, what if something new was born out of it? And I was like, I actually really like this form. And I think it's a good form for like terrestrial television. And yeah. also for like non-comedy viewers. I mean, this, even New Tuesday, to just beautifully segue it into why we're here, was Thank you so much. a full pandemic project. Yeah, well, okay, let's talk about that. Yeah. So we, I don't actually know when it was shot. It was shot... In that glorious bubble between First Wave and Delta. Oh, wow. I think. We'd, it kept being delayed. But it was that first kind of traveling for work experience and also going to a very remote location. But then also like the joy of experiencing a remote location and stop thinking about the pandemic for a little bit. Because like, you know, there was no COVID in the Makarora and there was no reception in Makarora. So it was like, you just had to, you were like completely transported to another time. And, your, and that time was 1812. <laughs> <laughs> your version of a isolation bubble was like Jackie Van Beek, Jermaine Clement, Damon Harriman, like such fun Karen people. O'Leary, Morgana O'Reilly, like Chelsea, Chelsea Preston Crayford. Just it, the most Arlo, fun people. Yeah, it was, it was just, cra- it was like, it was so intense. It was Jodie Rimmer. Like, it was so intense. Um, oh, I mean, where do we even begin? Well, tell me about that. Tell me about just hanging with that crew for a project like this. Because you can see on film, there was a lot of very hard work that went into this, obviously. But I can also imagine when the cameras stopped rolling, that would be a fun hang at the pub. It was so overstimulating. It's kind of the best way to put it. And it felt very similar to theatre or drama school in terms of an experience. And it's like so much of the experience of filming it is like, it's like, it's like the iceberg metaphor, right? Like most of the icebergs underwater and like you only see the tip, like you only see the top of the movie and that's great. But well, that's what this podcast is for, Chris. So yeah. tell us about what's <laughs> well, under the surface. Because so we all had to fly there to Makarora. Like, you know, so to get to Makarora, it's like you have to fly into Queenstown and then you have to drive to Makarora and you have to do that drive all the time. And then when you get into Makarora, there's like no reception. Your cell phone doesn't work. So for communication, you go to the pub at the local, like, you know, where all the huts were. We're living on set, you know, for people to like, you know, just get in contact with family, they go to the pub. So we're all like congregating at the pub every night, 
you know, um, and then that will lead on to drinks, like heaps of drinks, and then everyone <laughs> gets smashed, and then it's like everyone's fumbling home to their A-frames. And, like, and you're living there, um, and we're all eating the same meals, and it's just like, it's got a very, like, intense vibe. And underneath all of that, everyone's feeling absolutely insane about the nudity. And, like, this... You know, it's like this thing in the distance that everyone's like, yeah, I guess that's going to happen soon. <sighs> like, everyone's freaking out, but it's bringing us closer and closer together. Had they actually scheduled purposefully the nude scenes to be later? We didn't know when they were coming. They were... <laughs> <laughs> how, did the, how did the shoot work? Just on the day you get your... <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> this is what we're doing today. I think the big thing about the nudity was that it was all going to happen around whenever we got the helicopter to happen and like there was a big question mark of whether we were going to be able to helicopter the entire cast up to the mountains um and so whenever that was going to happen like then all the new days were going to happen in that little chunk of time which means that everyone was just sort of like on edge the whole time um but just because it's a nerve-wracking thing and everyone feels different about it so we had the amazing tandy wright who was the intimacy coordinator on the whole thing um so you'd have these like prior to the shoots you you know, call you up. And the whole like rule around intimacy coordination is that it's like you use anatomical language. So it's like, hi, Chris, how are you? It's Tandy here. Hi, Tandy. Um, so just wanted to talk to you about obviously the nudity in the film. And like, she's never nervous about it, which is so weird for Kiwis because we're so not used to people being so comfortable. So she's like, yeah, just talking about the nudity and how you're feeling about that. How comfortable are you with your penis being on screen? <laughs> and like, you just have to be like, <laughs> and how comfortable are you with your testicles being on screen? Uh, like how, two distinct questions. How about your bum, you know, and your asshole or whatever? It's like, um, you know, really just making you like go like, oh, fuck, this is actually happening. And as I'm talking to you now, we're in this weird in between bit where obviously you've shot it and uh, it's just had its first public screening, but yes. it isn't kind of out yet. So nah. how, how are you feeling about just that aspect of the film? It does have a profound impact on you in terms of, you know, your relationship with your body and how, like, I feel like I'm in the powerful position because, like, everyone wonders, like, would I have the courage to do this? And I've somehow found the courage to do it then. I Like, I don't know if I'd do it again. If Like, I feel like... I wouldn't just like get naked now whenever like it, it totally means like context is so important for me, like in terms of doing that sort of thing. However, stoked that I did it and now I'm in this powerful position of like, you know, not being embarrassed about it, feeling kind of empowered by it. And I get to go to the screening and everyone's going to be like, obviously awkward or weird or funny about it just cause it's a silly little thing. Um, and I just get to be like, you get to own it. You're in the sort it. of elevated position of <laughs> yeah. that awkward transaction. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're so comfortable. Like, <laughs> I want to be like really comfortable about it. But um, there's something so desexualized about the nudity in this film that I think yes. is really interesting. And then I'm like, it is just like seeing a body in the changing room. It's like very much like the level this nudity is framed in. Um, there's nothing kind of hot and sexy about it. And so that makes me more comfortable in a weird way because it's like we look like Sims. Like we're just, <laughs> we're just these bodies in this, uh, like, you know, massive landscape. It's, it is beautiful, but like the landscape's beautiful. It's kind of, and the bodies are just like human bodies. I don't know. That's all they sort of look like to me when I've seen like little clips of it. Yeah. I mean, I think 
Well, everything you've said is is totally true. Having seen the finished product, it is a stunning film in terms mm. of like the vistas and that ho- that portion of the South Island is just like incredible. Crazy. And the film is really beautifully shot. Oh my gosh, yeah, like it's beautifully. It'd be shot. hard not to make it beautiful if you shot there. Yeah, like you'd I have to really screw it up. But that being said, that made it like exceptionally beautiful. The, the very best people at their craft make it look easy, don't oh my they? God, so, I know. But did you bond with any fellow actors who um, were in a similar position to you where they hadn't done nudity on film before? Most of them. So we did, Tandy then did like a couple of sessions. It was really important that like all the women got together and and discussed how they were feeling and then all the men got together and they sort of (laughs) had a men's chat. Um, But it's like interesting because it's like, they should have, we should have done it all together, I think, in hindsight. But it was like, I think it was important for the women to like discuss some stuff. And theirs was like, three hours and ours was like half an hour which i feel like is so reflective of how it works sometimes and then um we're in the car and um, like morgana was like cracking me up so much because we were laughing about how we were in the big bus for this the scene the first shot we did naked was like us walking off the bus outside and like looking at the vista and being like wow 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 and i don't think they used the first take obviously because we're all just like ah! everyone's like freaking out the acting is so bad because our bodies are just like dealing with it but we were like cracking up about how we have to walk off the bus and how our bodies like jiggle and move when like you step off a bus um but yeah we're like all in our robes and then like okay robes off and then everyone's like you can just feel the energy of everyone taking their robes off and like everyone's freaking out and it's like action and then everyone like and then we're all just pretty, trying to act <laughs> but freaking out at the same time. That must be why I imagine those calls with Tandy came and were so specific because it's like if you sort of do put off any sort of processing until you get to the day, it's going to be impossible to act because yeah. you're kind of trying to unpack oh, yeah. that experience in the moment while you're supposed to be giving a performance to the cameras. And then, so this day was at Snow Farm. I think, yeah, first day was Snow Farm and then it was the helicopter. So I got that wrong. But um, yeah, it's like, then the Snow Farm day, it was like, we did it, you know, you're taking your rope on and off, like, all day. That by the end of the day, you didn't give a fuck. Like, no one cared. And everyone's feeling so comfortable in their bodies. And, like, because the first kind of hour of the day, it would be, like, cut. And then, like, people would run and throw robes over you. But sometimes if we'd, like, turn around quite fast, it'd be like, oh, let's just, no, we'll just stay naked. It's fine. Like, because it just saves the costume people running holding like I think all our robes like weigh like 16 kgs like each person was kind of holding 6 kgs of robes oh my god it's so heavy so that poor costume like that wardrobe were just exhausted because not only are they just like you know when you're not wearing wardrobe they're there to like take care of the wardrobe aspect of it which is like keeping the actors warm mm. um, which is like it was quite intense and like Kirstie kind of really had to think about it yeah which is remarkable like what she came up with they were so generous they never made you feel bad about it um you know just like wanted to get you wrapped up but then by like you know midday we were all like sunbathing naked like outside you know just like everyone's just chatting Love and it. really kind of like everyone sort of we really became like nudists for the day and at the end of the day i was like we were feeling so like uplifted and just like oh, like it really like broken down a barrier personally for me about my body I think like it's weird because it is like a, I mean, this is so deep, but like I think about like my having like a queer body 
in a space, you know, around men. Like I've just always felt like weird about it. And I think it's like a weird hang up from like adolescence and getting changed in this gym changing rooms around a bunch of guys who like see you as a predator or something. And so to be naked around those guys, like my brain, it just like made my body feel like, I don't know. I was like that I'm a predator in those spaces or something. I don't know what it was, but just like to really sort of dismantle that and to be naked around other men and it not be a thing was like a big step forward for me. Um, and then the helicopter day was really, really fun. I mean, God, that was like, what was very funny about helicopter day because we got flown up to this mountain to like shoot these scenes. But before they put you in a helicopter, they have to weigh you. What? Because they Oh, ha- right. Weight restrictions have, on the helicopter. You have weight restrictions and you have to have a good balance on the helicopter. And they bring out like a cattle weigher <laughs> and we had to like stand on a cattle weigher. <laughs> We were already feeling like so insane about our bodies anyway because we're so like this the magnifying glasses like on us and our bodies and we were eating so much like fried food and burgers. Yeah, and then there was like a third nudity day which was like other pickups and stuff and by this point like no one cared anymore. Like no one cared. It was just like another day on set. So what to you is the movie about? There's all these interesting aspects that are kind of ingredients as part of it but... For you, like, what's the movie actually about? I think so much of it is about misinterpretation. Like, it's about misunderstanding and, like, and just, like, communication in general. It's, like, Laura and Bruno are, like, having this massive breakdown of communication in their relationship. Like, they're not on the same page. Then this whole film is in gibberish, subtitled by someone who wasn't there. And so they've misinterpreted what we've been saying in gibberish. And then, like, it's all about, like, picking up on social cues and how you can get things wrong and what that and the fallout for that and what that means. So, kind of the nudity, in a way, is just another... It's just an elevation of the, of the story, but I don't think it's a key component mm. of it. I think it's just, like, you, you needed to kind of... You could do the same... You could do the movie, and it would be just as successful without the nudity, I think. For me, the subtitles, the gibberish is like the biggest part of it because that's yeah. the thing that really links into what the story's about. And your character and his partner, Rufus, who's Ian, uh, Zaro in the film. I mean, you guys, I think, sort of encapsulate what the retreat in the movie is all about, which is these super comfortable guys in this um, very yes. free-flowing, free-love, loose relationship, polyamory, no rules, no societal hookups being brought into here. Did you take any of that stuff away <laughs> with you after the after the film? Not really. <laughs> that might be for the best. Yeah. I, um, You're getting married soon. You don't want to <laughs> throw too many complicated <laughs> twists and turns before I'm then. not, yeah. I don't know. I definitely could not live that way at all. I'm so, like, not very similar to my character at all. But I, yeah, he's a weird guy. Like, because there's so, it was like so much improv, and the characters were kind of like just like you and whatever you wanted to do with it, basically. Because it's not like you had to do the gibberish. There's so many masks and layers in terms of like, you know, your well, it's about like how your character is being in, interpreted by the audience in a weird way, so they can take whatever they want from him. But I was like, he's just, all he's there for really is to be the complete opposite of Bruno and Laura. So he just needs to be so comfortable, so happy and so in love with his partner and like completely like on, you know, side with his partner at all times. But in terms of like, yeah, like have I considered polyamory (laughs) (laughs) post-filming? No way. I couldn't, I'm not like a raver. Yeah. 
Like, I'm, that's, that's not my buzz. It's not your speed. He, whereas I think my character really gets into it. But he was very delicate. He's very precious. He's like a little ruby. He's always <laughs> in like he's always in pinks and reds. And um, we love that he's a little necklace. And we just thought he was like very delicate and like a little fairy. But then just like loves like psychedelics and really like fucks himself up on drugs and parties all night. Yeah, but like on like paper, hang out with. <laughs> on paper he's like a little butterfly. Lastly, Chris, I know that you um, you're just across so many different projects at any given time and pursuing so many creative things. But among that, you've been trying to get a feature, or oh, you yeah. are getting a feature made. You're like in the process at yeah. the moment. What what does it feel like to try and make a movie in New Zealand? I guess you don't have much to compare it to because you haven't tried to make it in another country. But it's so slow. That's it. It's so slow. Oh my god, it takes so long. And this is the thing that I feel like. I mean, I've been trying to write two... I've got two movies, like, cooking. And one is, like, ready to go. And then one is, like, changing a lot. And, like, that's why I really like TV as a medium. Because, like, you can just get cracking. So, my own personal features, like... You know, a lot of Chris Parker Back to School went into that. So, now I'm, like, reevaluating what that film is now. Because I've really express what I needed to a little bit in terms of what that film was about. But I still think there's heaps of merit in that idea. So I'm like, I still don't want to give up on it. Um, but yeah, it just takes so long, so many hoops and like to get a film right and there's funding and there's people to please. And I don't know, but then there was something kind of inspiring about Jackie and Aman and this whole project. Cause it's like, it doesn't on paper really sound like a New Zealand film. And it's like, what is New Zealand film? I guess. But like we don't make, there's such pressure for it to be like, if well, if we give you the money, it has to be liked by literally everyone. Yeah. And so within that, there's like all these choices that you make where you are like compromising on your vision. Um, and it just really feels like Aman and Jackie did not compromise <laughs> once. Um, <laughs> like they got literally whatever they asked for and they deserve it. And I'm so glad they got that because um, the film would suffer because of it. And the result is this really unique film that I think is like pushing the boat out in terms of what we consider a New Zealand comedy to be, which I think is really good because I think, you know, we've got some, so many great New Zealand comedies, but they do sit in a similar like pool of like expectation in terms of when audiences go to them, like what they're expecting to see and who they're expecting to see and what stories and thematics and all that kind of stuff. Like they all sort of seem not predictable, but just like, within a realm of expectation, whereas this film is like, oh, <laughs> okay, that's also possible, which is so exciting and inspiring to be around and be a part of. So, um, yeah, I, I sort of hope I can run with that legacy a bit more um, in terms of like, yeah, just just trying to, I don't know, be really clear on your vision and um, and really fight for your vision if you can. But then also that's so much easier for someone who's like as trusted and beloved as Aman and Jackie. Like, and so they've so deserved to get to that point in their career. So of course they should be able to make those, be able to have that risk in their work. Whereas I think like first time filmmakers, there's so many like, like just be careful now. <laughs> I guess so. First time filmmaker maybe, but long time creator of amazing stuff. So sometimes you've just got to trust that it'll translate. 
You just hope it just gets made faster. Yeah, more but agility, then, more trust. We don't have a lot of money here. We don't have a lot of resources. I can understand why people are like, we've got to be precious and Yeah, careful. but I, I, I back to what you said before, I hate the fact that that, scarcity of resource leads to this thing where we make like two movies a year and they've got to appeal to every Everyone. single person in the country because that in my opinion is not how you make great films well this one's gonna be so interesting it was like so interesting to see how it plays out um it got of, five stars in the guardian exactly. things are going great chris and you know when something's a critical success you know that translates <laughs> <laughs> always one-to-one thank you so much Thanks, for taking Tom. the time chris congrats on the movie it's <laughs> well, great yes i can't wait to see it Thanks for listening to this episode of the New Tuesday podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. New Tuesday is in cinemas in New Zealand and Australia from mid-June and will be coming to streaming platforms soon. The New Tuesday podcast was brought to you by Film Queenstown Lakes and the New Zealand and Australian film distributors Madman Entertainment. It was produced, hosted and edited by me, Tim Bad, and co-produced by Courtney Mayhew and Tyler Hislop. The music in this series are original compositions by Cam Ballantyne and covers from Monica, which appear in the new Tuesday soundtrack available soon. Or maybe now, I don't know when you're listening to this. The series is also supported by Flix. Download the Flix app to find new Tuesday session times near you and get tickets. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.